You're listening to the Trusting the God of the Gospel podcast created to help parents disciple their adopted or foster teenagers. Here are your hosts, Arthur C. Woods and Elizabeth Joy Woods. Welcome back, everybody, to our Trusting the God of the Gospel podcast. It is wet and cold and rainy and muddy outside, and it is not yet spring. No, and I actually think if you think about all the seasons, I think spring is about the most overrated season there is. Absolutely, 100%. I totally agree with you. Don't even get me started on this. When you like Google image search spring, like yeah. I do on a daily basis, right? Uh, they have all these like nice, pretty flowers, yeah. and everything's beautiful Daffodils, and sunny, and, crocuses. and it's great. And it is never any it's of never those like things. That. It is always cold. It is always rainy. It is always uh, just reminding you that it's still not summer. Right. You think it's going to be nice, and then it's not. Like, spring is the friend that stabs you in the back, that promises good things and stabs you in the back. And just for the record, we're not yet in spring. Yeah, exactly. We're still in winter. Yeah, exactly. So. And so we look forward to spring every year because that means winter's over. But then we get to spring and we're like, what is this? Right. And then we just look forward to summer, which comes and goes way too quickly. Wow, this really started on a negative tone. Sorry, but God is good, and he created spring. and. Okay. That is true. And I'm I'm happy. Are you happy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm good. Okay. I'm we're, good. All, we're all happy. And as we record this, there's actually a cat. Our cat, Epi, is in the room. And as far as I can tell, he is also happy. Yeah, so all three of us are happy. That's good. One of the reasons I'm happy is because we were just recently in Georgia. That was fun. It was nearer to Florida, my heaven. And um, yeah, it wasn't exactly warm and fuzzy in Georgia either, but it was nice to be there and to be able to get away. Yeah. And not to keep being a downer on the weather, but uh, the weather in Georgia wasn't really nice either. I no. thought if we drove like all the way south from where we are in Pennsylvania, yeah, I thought the weather would be nicer, but it it was not. No, but the conference was nice that we went Yes, to. we had a great time at the Choosing to Care conference in Athens, Georgia. Yep. Um, I got to speak on uh, the unique discipleship needs of adopted and foster teenagers. Yep. And uh, had a great time doing that. Ties in very nicely with our podcast series. And I think you spoke as well, Elizabeth Joy. I did. I spoke about a very successful failed adoption, which is an oxymoron, but actually something that happened in my life. So lessons learned through going through massive disappointment. Yeah, I remember those days. Yeah. Not fun. So what we've been talking about the past several months is the gospel concepts that we speak about so frequently in our Christianese world and how some of those gospel concepts may be difficult for adopted and foster care teens to fully embrace. They're not always as warm and fuzzy to our kids as they are to us. And that's what we've been doing the past several episodes of this podcast. Right. And so for today, we're going to talk about a, uh, a big, big, big idea. Dun, dun, dun. I think we say that every episode, that every episode is like, oh, this is a big one. This is an important one. <laughs> But I think this one is, uh, we're going to talk about identity and specifically finding our identity in Jesus changes our perspective. So if, if our adopted and foster teenagers, or parentheses, if we uh, go out of our way to intentionally find our identity in Jesus Christ, our entire way of thinking, the, the way we think and believe and behave and act and feel and how we perceive things can all change drastically by fully embracing our identity as a, uh, as a follower of Jesus. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, but the question is, what is identity? To start us off, what do we describe identity as? Well, I think you could, you could probably identify that uh, 
not identify, identify. <laughs> define that. Uh, you could probably define that in a million different ways, uh, but just a simple way I like to look at it is who you think you are, who you think you are. So it's not necessarily who you are, because I think mm-hmm. sometimes we find our identity in things that are actually not true. They're lies that we believe about ourselves. So it's, right. it's not necessarily who we are, but we find our identity. We, we think identity is who we think that we are. Yeah, in that moment. And I would just take that one step further and say it is who we think we are and who we think we are defines what we do. Yes, that's exactly right. It outlines what we do. So our identity is what we do based on who we think we are. Yeah, identity is so connected to uh, our behavior and how we think and how we feel and how we act. Yeah, yeah. So if you can take that, what we do based on who we think we are, and put that kind of in context to these adopted and foster care teens, what are some of the things that they might find their identity in or how might they perceive themselves? Sure. And this is, this is tough and this is usually based on what they experienced growing up. So if, if they experienced a situation where they were not loved for whatever reasons, uh, they were, were not loved by biological parents, or at least they didn't feel loved by their biological parents. Right. They might find their identity in being unlovable. Yes. And then from there, if you think you're unlovable, that's going to change everything. And especially as we've been talking about discipleship, when we hear that God loves you, well, how does that translate if you believe that you're not lovable? Right, right. And I think what we need to also acknowledge is that this domino of identity is a domino effect on everything that we believe and do and think about ourselves. Sure. So I absolutely believe that. Like, if you're not lovable, well, then you must not be worth things. If you're not worth things, you're not able to affect change. So anytime anything is challenging, well, you can't change it. So you just continue to be unworthy of change, unworthy of happiness. Therefore, you are also unlovable. Right. It all goes hand in hand, which actually is... A, a tremendous limiting belief. You mm-hmm. know, you can see how like limiting beliefs are things that we might believe about ourselves that limit us. Yeah. Versus liberating truths. Another Michael Hyattism. Thank you, Mike. Um, but yeah, so limiting beliefs versus liberating truths is is the contrast of what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about our identity that might be negative or with or holding us back, and contrasting that with what could be true or what is true we just need to make it happen right now i am speaking as someone who has no liberating uh limiting limiting beliefs whatsoever right um Mm -hmm. no that's not at all even even at age 43 i certainly struggle with my own limiting beliefs but as you think about these kids how many limiting beliefs do they have based on their past how many different things do they believe false things about themselves that they believe and that's drastically affecting how they, they think and feel and act. Right. And I think some of, one of the things that we need to acknowledge here is that limiting beliefs are not always told to us verbally. Like a lot of people will not say to anyone, you know, you're an idiot, you're unlovable, you're unworthy. However, our situations speak volumes when you're in that situation. You, you kind of assume negative, negative things about yourself based on what is going on around you. Right. And those limiting beliefs need to be dispelled and truth does need to be verbally spoken and then also situ- situationally, uh, I don't know, explained or described to these, to these teens. 
Yeah, you're 100% right. And, and you're right in that often it's not overtly or directly spoken over them. But in the case of a lot of our adopted and foster teenagers, it has been where, where maybe they, they made a poor choice. And, it, and instead of a, a parent or a caregiver talking about that being a poor choice, maybe they were just called stupid or right. dumb or you're an idiot or, you know, you're a moron. And suddenly you start thinking to yourself, well, I guess I really am an idiot. An idiot becomes part of your identity. Yeah. Or you want to think like, well, wouldn't someone have made a better decision for me? if they loved me enough. So I must not be very lovable. And you're going back to the whole like unlovable, unworthy, and it all centers around, are we good enough to obtain love? Are we good enough to change things? Right. So at the end of the day, we can find our identity in a billion different things. And some of those identities are, are true. And some of those, our identities are completely false. Right. Um, but I think what we would encourage in this episode today is what would it look like for our adopted and foster teenagers to find their primary identity in being a child of God? What if before they thought of themselves as anything else, they thought, huh, you know what? I am a child of God. In fact, John 1.12 says this, but to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. So those of us who uh, have made the decision to follow Jesus have become children of God in our Teenagers, our adopted and foster teenagers, have that same ability to begin a relationship with Jesus and become a child of God, and that can become their number one identity. Yeah, I think that this is so important for our teens, but also for us as well. If we truly believe that we are children of God, that too can have a domino effect on how we live and who we are and what we do. It affects everything. Yep. And I think that not only do we need to take comfort in the fact that in the phrase child, in child of God, sure. but we also need to take awe and respect out of the God part of that phrase. You know, if we understand who God is fully, and, well, not fully, but, you know, a lot. To and the we, degree that we to, can. To the degree that we can, sure. yeah. And then we, then we also contrast that with child and the comfort of child and the relationship of child and the, the permanency of child. Um, yeah, that's a huge comfort in my life. Yeah, you're right. And, and um, one of the times that I was teaching this at a, at a live event, I had a woman in the front row raise her hand and say, well, isn't every single person that's ever been created a child of God? And I, I think the answer is yes, and the answer is no, because in a very uh, universal sense, in the, in the fact that we have all been created in God's image, we are all uh, created by God. Yes, we are all children of God in that very broad general sense. Every every human being that has ever existed, will ever exist, certainly is a child of God in uh, in a very general way. What we're talking about here today, though, is really uh, narrowing it down to those who have made the choice to accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And Scripture tells us that that group of people are children of God, where mm-hmm. we get to call God Father, where Jesus is essentially our brother, and mm-hmm. we have been adopted into the family of God through Christ. And so when we talk about children of God in this uh, particular case, that's what we're talking about. Yeah, there's so much freedom, not just from salvation, not just the freedom of eternity, but there's so much freedom in knowing your place in the family of God. Just incredible. So the question then becomes, if we're talking about about how important it is to find our identity in God and encouraging our adopted 
teenagers and our foster teenagers to find their primary identity in being a children of God, how do we help them do that? And because we like lists around here, <laughs> I think there's probably four ways that, uh, uh, that we can help our, our teenagers embrace being a child of God as their primary identity. And honestly, these are ways for us to also begin embracing child of God as our primary identity. So yeah. the first one, Elizabeth Woods. The first one is to refer to God as our father in times of prayer. Yep. When we talk to God, when we talk to our heavenly father, it reminds us that he is a father. Well, yep. who is he a father to? To us. It clearly makes us his children. There's not another, there's not a parallel relationship there. It's not like we're praying to God the Father because we're the Father. You know what I mean? Like there's no parallel there. He's our Father in heaven and we are his children. And it's a great thing. It's a very easy reminder that we are the children of God as we, and we can come to him as our Father. Yeah, you're right. In fact, this was a big one for me going back a couple years ago when I started really trying to embrace God as my Father. And I wanted to figure out, well, how can I do that Better. And one of the, the ways that, that I learned to do that better is to just begin every one of my prayers by saying, Dear Father. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just that's a, if anything else, that's a reminder to me that God is my Father, that I am His child, that my identity is as a child of God. And so that's been very helpful to me. So, number one uh, way that we can help our adopted and foster teenagers embrace that child of God is their identity. Uh, number one, refer to God as Father in prayer times. And then number two, uh, I would say read scripture and listen to music that emphasizes that point. I mean, throughout all of scripture, there's verses and passages that refer to us as children of God. And and to take the time to look those up, to process them, to think about them, to pray through them, to maybe even post them on your, you know, in your walls. What scripture, what worship songs are really emphasizing that fact? Um, That one song, No Longer Slaves uh, by Bethel Worship. Number one, that's an awesome song, but boy, what a great modern worship song talking about how we really are children of God. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely love that one. Another way that you can remind your teenagers and help them embrace that they are children of God is to just post, I am a child of God around your home. Yep. You know, you can, I mean, we have inspirational stuff all over the home and it's always a positive thing. So Posting, I am a child of God around your home, and then living by the that mantra or that truth is so vitally important that they they kind of can't get away from it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I like that. I mean, if they're walking around their room, they're walking around their bathroom or the or the the way out of the house, and right. there's a little poster or posted note or paper or whatever that says, "I am a child of God." You know, you you want that to eventually sink in, and I think it will if the, if they have an attitude that. Uh, is willing to begin embracing that. It's, a, it's just a good way to remind, remind them and even remind us. So that's number three. And number four, um, this one comes, this was kind of inspired by a book I recently read called uh, Atomic Habits by James Carr. Such a good book. It is a very good book. I loved it. And he talks a lot about identity in it. And one of the, the portions of the chapter on identity, he talks about this idea that uh, I'll use an example here that um, we come up with a sentence that is something along the lines of, um, I am a healthy person and healthy people don't overeat. Now, that's just an example. It, it could be anything for you. But, but as you're thinking about your identity, start thinking about yourself as I'm a healthy person and healthy persons, 
healthy people <laughs> don't overeat. And to start embracing that identity even before maybe you 100% believe it. Um, and I started doing that a little bit in terms of, of starting to believe that I am a healthy person. Do I overeat? Yes, I still overeat <laughs> and um, certainly on a journey there. However, I'm trying to make that part of my identity. Right. So as we think about that in, in relation to children of God being our identity, we can use that same sentence. I am a child of God and children of God, dot, dot, dot. Right. You kind of fill that in for yourself. Yeah. Children of God look to spend time with God or uh, they love God or they do no. things that make God happy or yeah, they know right. God. Yeah. Yeah. I absolutely love that. I think that's really powerful. I think it sounds a little bit like fluffy, you know, to my way of thinking, but I have done it and um, it allows me to kind of get over some of the dread or some of the angst in life to be able to say like, no, this is actually what's true about me. So now I need to act like it's true about me right. and make decisions based on this being true about me. Right. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love that. Um, and one of the things that I think is so powerful here is, I said this earlier, but as we allow ourselves to become children of God and we think more like that, we also need to think and know more about God. And I think it, it puts us in a position of awe and reverence to know that this incredible God who we are learning more about allowed us to be his children and adopted us into his family. And um, yeah, it's just an incredible opportunity there. Yeah, very much so. So how can we help our teenagers embrace the child of God identity? Number one, refer to God as father during prayer times. Number two, read scripture and listen to music that emphasize this point. Uh, number three, post I am child of God around the room. And number four, create kind of an identity script that says, I am a child of God and children of God, dot, dot, dot. You fill in the blanks there. Right. And that leads us perfectly into our next time um, announcement. Next time we're going to be talking about the word adoption, adoption, which is how we all get to be children of God. So it's a very common word that we use when we talk about the gospel, but it's not necessarily the word or the warm sentiment that our foster and adopted teens always want to hear. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that discussion. Yeah, it'll be a good one. So join us next time. We will see you then. Sounds good. Thanks. Bye-bye. Today's episode was brought to you by the Trusting the God of the Gospel video series. For more information on this powerful discipleship resource for adopted and foster teenagers, visit trustingthegodofthegospel.com forward slash shop. If you found today's content valuable, leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to this podcast. And don't forget to subscribe. For more information on your hosts, Arthur and Elizabeth, please visit them at arthurcwoods.com or elizabethjoywoods.com. Thanks for listening to the Trusting the God of the Gospel podcast.